You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the business and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're going to talk to doctors. Travis Boston, Lisa Kivett, and Anna Hood about building veterinary haul-in or hospital facilities. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Grice, business consultant and former equine practice owner. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you in 2024 by Care Credit. Dr. Boston graduated from Virginia, Maryland Regional College of Veterinary Medicine in 2004. He worked as an equine veterinarian in Colorado and Maryland before coming a partner at Willow Creek Equine in Redding, Pennsylvania. He is the co-chair of the Subcommittee on Compensation of the AAEP Commission for Equine Sustainability. Dr. Kivett attended North Carolina State University, graduating in 2007. She completed a rotating internship in equine medicine and surgery at Louisiana State University, followed by a three-year residency in equine internal medicine at Auburn University, after which she obtained board certification from the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine in 2013. Dr. Kivett is an adjunct professor at North Carolina State and teaches veterinary students in their final year of training. She owns Foundation Equine in Vass, North Carolina. She is also an active member of the American Association of Equine Practitioners and the American Veterinary Medical Association. Dr. Hood is a graduate of Purdue University College of Veterinary Medicine after also completing her bachelor's degree in animal science at Purdue. A Cincinnati native, Dr. Hood returned to her hometown after veterinary school and owns Miami Town Equine Veterinary Services, a three-doctor practice. She is a member of the Subcommittee on Culture of the AAEP Commission for Equine Sustainability. Welcome, and thank you to all three of you for joining me today. Dr. Boston, you've been retrofitting an existing building. What have been the biggest challenges you've faced with this project? Well, this has been a pretty big project, um, I think. Um, We are taking a 14,000 square foot building. And uh, after the purchase price of the building, we're investing almost um, another $2 million into it. Um, And it, it just seems like the project is too big. There's always things being forgotten. Uh, we're having to go back. Uh, the co- the general contractor certainly has some degree of oversight. At the same time, you know, the, today we were dealing with the 30-year-old drain that no one had thought to make sure it was patent in the laundry room. When you run a load of laundry, the water backs up out of the drain. Oh, and my word. <laughs> for the second time, because the first time that happened, the mechanical company came out and said, oh, it's fixed. And we didn't think to check. And it is not, in fact, fixed. So there may be a bigger problem waiting for us to address. But the fact that nobody ever thought to check it from day one 
is to me an oversight. Is it our fault? Is it the general contractor's fault? I, I really don't know. But there's just so many things. Um, I think that's been the biggest challenge. There's always something that we've fallen behind the eight ball on. Um, who would have thought you were limited to two signs with your business's name on it? And when you wanted to have directional signs, you shouldn't have put your business name on it. And you definitely shouldn't have paid to have those signs made before you, you found out you couldn't put them up. So now we're paying an extra $2,000 to try to get a variance from the township to utilize the signs that we have already paid for. There's so many details. Not everything can be anticipated and uh, so much falls through the cracks. And I'm sure that we could have done a better job of oversight along the way. But I feel that a certain amount of this is stunningly inevitable. Tell us a little, um, Travis, about the water fountains. Oh, well, actually, uh, this will be news to you as well, Amy, because we do not have water fountains any longer. We did uh, win that fight with the township that we now have a cooler, which is handicapped as well as uh, ordinarily abled people uh, accessible because we were required to have water fountains in the building, one for of regular height, one of lower height for um, uh, disabled people, uh, handicapped people, so that we could uh, legally have the building. We basically had to build the building around those water fountains because they were required. We discovered after much consternation about the water fountains that some of the things that aren't legally required and so weren't in the quote were a fire alarm system. So we had to pay out of pocket to add the fire alarm system, even though it could be argued that with two water fountains, you could have just splashed <laughs> some water on the fire. <laughs> oh, my word. You certainly have a great sense of humor about the, the process. And I am so glad that you are um, finally nearing the end and, and moving in. Do Dr. Kivett, you've moved into your beautiful new hospital building. What was the process of building like? And what was the hardest thing about the process? It's probably going to sound fairly similar to Travis. And like listening to him talk, I think maybe triggers a little bit of um, some PTSD response. Um, because it's not terribly dissimilar. And um you know, Amy, when you emailed us about doing this podcast, I sent an email back saying that, you know, it's a great idea for a podcast. I'm not sure this is a one episode podcast. This should be an entire, like, standalone podcast with multiple episodes. Um, I suggest episode titles such as Permits, Why the Fire Marshal is Now My Sworn Mortal Enemy, Drains, An Endless Source of Regret, sounded very <laughs> similar to Travis. Water heaters, why am I now an expert in this subject? And air filters, the topic that I now discuss at every large family gathering, ad nauseum. And it it really, it's all these details, right? And it's all the same kind of stuff. It was a tremendous emotional roller coaster because there were, you know, these moments of like joy and excitement when they broke ground and you know, when you see the walls up for the first time, but then it's like heavily punctuated with setbacks and unexpected roadblocks and 
it's exhausting. And I think for me, it made me sort of like emotionally check out of my business for 18 to 24 months after I was just so exhausted from the whole thing. And, you know, because we closed on our land in May of 2018. And I anticipated beginning the building process in September of 2018. And I went back and looked and we actually broke ground the first day the bulldozers were here was November 30th, 2020. So more than two years, just trying to get through the fire marshal and the permits and what are we going to have to have for water sprinklers and fire alarms. And I mean, it just, I had no idea. I researched, you know, zoning laws and some basic permitting, but the details are just can't be anticipated. I don't think. Um, Yeah. It's formidable. It's really, yeah. So I, I think overall, very similar experience to what Travis is going through. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By helping to bridge the gap between costs and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. Clients have a flexible way to pay over time for all types of care, and practices get paid in two business days. It's a payment experience everyone can feel good about. Now that you're in the building, uh, has the stress decreased? Are you Do you have moments of joy in the building now? Uh, you know, it took, honestly, I think I really, really looked around after two years and thought, okay, yeah, this is my place. Like, this feels good. But it it took that long. I mean, just the still waking up in the cold sweat at 3 a.m. Like the building is 15 feet too close to the road. And like, why is that crack in the concrete? And I mean, it just, it was sort of never ending. And yeah, I mean, I, I just think it took a long time to get over it. So we're mm-hmm. past two years. We were two years in October. Um, and it feels okay now. It just sort of feels like home. Thanks for that perspective, Lisa. That's sorry. <laughs> Get a good therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, Dr. Hood, you were poised to begin this very difficult process. And then you recently got uh, hit a roadblock. Tell me about your or tell us about your disappointing experience recently. Yeah, experiencing a lot of those similar things, except I'm in the beginning part where it all just seems horrible and there's no nice things yet to to look forward to. So um, we're a three vet practice and four support staff. So there's seven of us working in a very cozy 12 by 24 room with all our inventory and all of our equipment all in there. Uh, So I had been looking for land about two years at this point, found a plot with great accessibility for both farm calls and trailers, Uh, got it under contract for a good price with contingencies for financing and zoning. Everything's looking good. I'm excited. I knew it was going to be hard work, but I mean, I made it through vet school. So I organized everything, had all my different folders for, you know, the architect builder, started chipping away at everything, applied for financing, got my real estate LLC, some early wins there. Uh, Even the zoning was looking great. It was properly zoned for a veterinary practice. 
Uh, and in that township, I spoke with the zoning office at length over the phone, went through all of our, you know, very preliminary plans. They said, oh yeah, no problem. I don't see any issues with any of this. Uh, then I went point by point with them through some things that I had found in the zoning code that I was a little bit concerned about. Um, got it in writing, their answers to some of these that, you know, no problem, you know, that section doesn't apply to you a few on a few different of these points. So, you know, kept trucking, floor plans, building bids, financing. Then the holidays came. Nobody answered my calls for two to three weeks. <laughs> uh, you know, nobody's answering emails or anything. And then it's just been nothing but problems since then, unfortunately. Um, so we discovered some environmental concerns, uh, and now we're looking at having to do a phase two environmental site assessment to the tune of $10,000. Um, and that is, you know, that's just for the assessment, not for any remediation. So right now we're looking at negotiating with the sellers on that, um, just because that's, that's such a big, uh, potential deal breaker. And then the zoning, after getting the green light, you know, two months ago on all of this in detail, they came back and said, actually, uh, we told you the wrong thing back then, and those sections do apply to you. Uh, so then there's some big problems there. Uh, and, you know, even though we had gone through in detail and in writing, I don't know if it was a different interpretation or they just changed their mind, but... Uh, so several of those things are now a big problem when they previously weren't a problem. So now I have the environmental concerns and the zoning concerns. I'm looking at, you know, to go forward, either applying for variances or actually getting annexed into a neighboring city, which is apparently easier to deal with. Oh, except for annexing takes six months. <laughs> and of course, it's not guaranteed. So none of this, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but honestly, it's a lot more roadblocks than I thought. Uh, so at this point, I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Some of it is going to depend on the seller and what they're willing to handle and how long they're willing to postpone closing, because I don't want to close on land that I'm not sure I can build a veterinary clinic on. You are not alone. <laughs> yeah, I know. Very frustrating. Absolutely. That just sounds absolutely horrible, disappointing, frustrating, all of the things. And to get wrong information and and uh, the emotional roller coaster that you talked about, Dr. Kivett, is it's a real thing. It's like, you want to build? Climb aboard and take a trip. I think it might be like this for everyone. Yeah. I mean, that that story doesn't, I mean, that's, yeah, I think it that might be the way it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, with it being so complicated and difficult, a daunting amount of work to build a facility, how did you find time to actually practice, Dr. Kibbett? I, I, I did have to step back from practicing for a month or two right at the very end um, when we sort of were down to the wire and really had to get everything done. Uh, we had another property that we had to move out of. Um, but other than that, I think I probably just ran myself really ragged. Um, that's not like a super new concept for me. 
Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't have any like good advice. It was hard. Yeah. Dr. Boston, were you able to practice or how did that go for you? Well, um, I had tried to take a step back a little bit along the way. Um, and I do have a business partner that's been tremendously helpful and she had as well. Unfortunately, we lost a vet at the end of September. And so we had to kind of step back into practice right at what was kind of the worst time there. Um, but I think the problem is when I look at this stuff that happens and I think, oh, that got overlooked, that's part of it. You know, you just can't build more hours in the day and you're always taken from somebody, whether it's your, your, uh, we talk about how many people we are, you know? So as a, the owner of an equine ambulatory practice, you're the person that you are with your family and your home life. Then you're a vet as well. You're a working vet that works for that practice. Then you're the practice owner. Well, now I'm a whole nother person as the owner of the LLC that that owns the building. And man, three personalities is hard. Four just seems to be a lot harder. And it's a challenge every day. And you definitely are taking from the other pots to fill the one the new one. And I hope that family and my clients and everybody, you know, is as understanding as they seem to be. Uh, I I think I'll get back to them eventually, but according to Dr. Kivett, it's going to be two years from now. So (laughs) we'll see how that goes. We are hiring and uh, uh, trying to fill that space. And we've discussed hiring two veterinarians (laughs) because even though we lost one. Uh, both my business partner and I are ready to take a further step back, uh, even if it means a temporary loss of income, because we we both feel like we aren't keeping up with what uh, what we need to with the building and with our families. That's a really good point, Doctor Hood. You have a family, and you you're a practice owner and leader of multiple veterinarians also. Um, so how are you doing it? Yeah, I found it's it's just really difficult to continue on with usual appointments and manage this because it's inevitable the, the bank or the builder will call when you're trying to deal with a hoof abscess or you have your hands full with a dental. You know, They're more used to dealing with people that are on the computer or in an office all day, and that's not our schedule. So I just, I tried to schedule a little office time each morning so I can shoot off those emails first thing and then I can kind of check in a little later it's not a perfect system. I miss a lot of calls during farm calls and things take a lot longer than if I had an office job. Uh, another thing that's really helped, I've been really utilizing my wonderful registered veterinary technician. She does tech appointment farm calls while I have my office time blocked off. So that is at least a silver lining. Fabulous. That's a fabulous idea. Well, Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about the process of building or planning a hospital? Anything at all, Dr. Kibbett? I think, you know, reflecting on it, there's basically 
no way you're not going to end up wishing that you've done some things differently. Um, I think no matter what, you're going to end up wondering, would it have been better if I'd chosen a different architect or a different contractor? Or I really wish I'd graded the land to drain the opposite direction. Um, or I wish the septic field was on the other side of the property. You know, no matter what you do, it's that 3 a.m. wake up, cold sweat. Why didn't I make a different decision? And I just think it's really helpful to sort of accept that there's going to be stuff like that and that you've done the best you can with the knowledge that you had at the time and it won't be perfect. And I also, when I look at the water draining in the wrong direction on the property, just reassure myself that one day this is someone else's problem and I only have to deal with it for a couple more decades. (laughs) Oh boy. Dr. Boston, do you have anything to add to, to that, to that, uh, very optimistic, uh, optimistic yeah, I advice. Think, I think that's well said, and I would echo it, and I would expand it to talk about um, time estimates and people. Everyone in this field uh, of equine medicine, you know, and Doctor Hood said it. You know, she's she's a very smart lady. You, she can do this thing well. Why can't we do everything well? And you kind of expect the same out of other people, you know, builders, contractors, mechanical people. Give me a time estimate. Hit the time estimate. Deliver a quality product. That doesn't seem to be how the rest of the world functions all that often. Uh, Maybe it's less often than it functions functions, uh, uh, the correct way than, or what I think of as the correct way than a different way. I I think you you've got to give yourself some grace and just say this is going to take longer than I think. This is going to cost more than I think. And build yourself a safety net in various ways for time and money knowing that things are not going to go correctly. Uh people are going to uh, fail you in a in a sort of a measurable sense, but also in a, in a time sense, you know, we bought our building in August of, um, 22 and we were supposed to break ground uh, relatively immediately thereafter and didn't do it until February of 23. Then we were supposed to be in the building, even with the new groundbreaking in July of 23. It's only in retrospect that I realized that that was ridiculous. And they honestly, I don't think that our contractor really, really, at the end of the day, thought that that was ever going to happen. They knew it was going to take longer than that, but it's just the way it goes in that industry to constantly drag these things on and on and on. And that is their worldview. And if you said it to them this way, maybe they would say, oh, yeah, I, I guess I see your point. But it never even occurred to them to say, oh, yeah, we usually have three months of delays because, you know, it's just the way things are. And so I think you've got to go into it knowing there's going to be some issues. There's going to be things happen. Prepare yourself mentally, financially, in every way you can for stuff to go badly because it, it will go what to us seems badly, well, as maybe to somebody else in a different industry they would say, oh, yeah, that's a new build project. That's how it works. 
You know, I think as veterinarians, many of us, you know, are maybe not perfectionists, but we, if we could have perfection, we might kind of like it because in a health related field, not ever making mistakes and not ever having things go wrong is a very positive thing, right? And so I think it makes it harder for us when, you know, when we're experiencing, like Dr. Hood experienced with the zoning officer getting all that erroneous information. So <laughs> it's just awful. Um, Dr. Hood, what would you say uh, in closing as additional advice or information people should have? Yeah, I don't think there's a great way to prepare yourself for this. You kind of just learn it as you go along. But any research you can do ahead of time would be great, you know, about zoning in your area. I found out more recently that there is a township not far away from me that has no zoning. It's the Wild West there. You can do, you know, there's still permits and that, but there's there's no zoning in that entire township. So now knowing what I know, I probably would have waited for land to come available in that township. Uh, so, you know, any any little tidbits, and some of that might be from other local businesses in your area, not even veterinarians, just other people that are in the know, business-minded in your immediate area. Uh, especially if they've built recently or if they're in that field, they could be a wealth of information. And then connecting with other practitioners that have done this uh, just to get get as much preparation as you can. But I don't think there's a, a way to totally prepare, but any little bit might help. That is great advice, especially, you know, somebody who has built recently in that same township. Great advice. Thank you so much, all three of you, for uh, joining us today for this podcast. And and like like Lisa said, this could be you know many many episodes because there's so many things to think about. Oh my word, you could have a whole episode on zoning, you know, problems. Thank you uh, so much for joining us today, and thank you all listeners for joining us for the Business of Practice podcast. And a really big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit. And to all of my listeners out there, be brave, embrace change. <laughs>